Section 65 of Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies. An Authentic Record of Remarkable Cases by John B. Lewis and Charles C. Bombau. Female Poisoners, Part 1. The Belgian Poisoner, Madame Jognot. The trial of Madame Marie-Thérèse Jognot at the Antwerp Assize Court in January 1895 for the poisoning of three relatives in order to obtain the insurances upon their lives created a profound sensation among the aristocratic circles of Brussels and Antwerp in which she had moved. This disciple of the Branvilliers school was the daughter of a distinguished cavalry officer, General Ablay, occupied a good social position, had been twice married, first to the historian m frederick faber and afterward to m henri jognot chief engineer to the department of roads and bridges lived in a fine mansion in the rue de verviers and at the time of her arrest and trial was fifty-one years of age the victims were her sister leonie ablay her brother alfred ablay and her uncle jacques vandenkerkov Mademoiselle Leone was insured for 30,000 francs in the Baloise and 40,000 francs in the Netherlands. The madame paid the premiums in the beginning of January 1892 and died suddenly February 25th in Madame Jognot's house. In March 1893, the uncle, who was a bachelor, 60 years of age, a wealthy manufacturer of Ghent and an ex-senator, died suddenly after a dinner to which he had been specially invited at madame's house it was given out that the cause was apoplexy only a few weeks before his death m kerkov had insured his life for a large sum in a belgian office for the benefit of the jognot family in february eighteen ninety four m alfred ablay who had recently arrived in belgium from paris was disposed of in a similarly speedy manner he had been insured with an english company the gresham for one hundred thousand francs madame jognot paying the premium the attention of the management of the gresham was called to the suspicious rapidity with which the policy had matured and the impetuous haste of the beneficiary in claiming payment the gresham officials proceeded with marked forbearance and reluctance and only after the most careful examination of all the surroundings of the case then the cooperation of the authorities was invoked, and exhumation and examination of the three bodies followed. Traces of morphia were found in the intestines, and it was afterward in evidence that she had repeatedly procured morphia from Brussels chemists on forged orders for prescriptions. On trial, the motive was disclosed. Upon Madame's own admission, though supposed by the world to be in comfortable, even affluent circumstances, she had been, for many years, pecuniarily embarrassed. It was shown that she was endeavoring to borrow money on the representation that her daughter, by her first husband, Mademoiselle Jean Faber, would, when of age, inherit a large fortune, and the lender was to be secured by policies on Mademoiselle Jean's life. It was shown that she was always in debt and had recourse to all sorts of tricks and devices, even to cheating at cards, to procure money to meet her liabilities. These desperate expedients to minister to her love of luxury were commented on in scathing terms by the public prosecutor, M. Servais, in the course of his review of the testimony in his speech to the jury. 
the particulars of the part she played in effecting insurances on the lives of the deceased parties were fully detailed by a cloud of witnesses the number of witnesses called for the prosecution was remarkable altogether two hundred sixty-one were called to the stand while sixty-one were summoned for the defence the indictment was noteworthy for its length the reading lasting an hour and a half it recapitulated at the outset the manner in which the three relatives of the accused met their death and stated the circumstances leading up to the arrest of madame Jognot. after mentioning the names of the accused's relatives it dealt exhaustively with the financial position of monsieur and madame Jognot, pointing out that for many years she had been involved in a most complicated system of borrowing in order to live up to her position it referred in connection with this fact to anonymous letters received by relatives of the accused threatening a scandal about the drowning of lionel second son of monsieur alfred ablay who was supposed to have committed suicide in october eighteen ninety unless certain sums were paid as the price of silence these letters were declared by experts to be in the handwriting of the accused the indictment next dwelt with the question of the assurances and also the point already noted that madame jognot was anxious to obtain a dowry for her daughter and was engaged in effecting assurances in her favour at the very time she was borrowing money on the representation that her daughter would when of age inherit a very large fortune the remainder of the indictment was largely devoted to a refutation of the theory that alfred ablay committed suicide after an alleged forgery the counsel for the defence m gros of the brussels bar and m hendricks of the antwerp bar fought the prosecution step by step with extraordinary energy but the public prosecutor was relentless and he pressed point after point to conclusion with such unerring and resistless force that the prisoner was goaded to constant retort and interruption the reports of the trial were garnished with her impudent rejoinders and dramatic denials appeals and protests the sensational scenes she created were evidently intended to arouse public sympathy but beyond admiration of the unusual mental power she displayed in her intellectual duels with the prosecutor they had no effect upon people who could see behind the veil of effrontery a career of duplicity and falsification the evidence of the medical experts as usual was contradictory dr van vive exhibited in court glass discs containing morphia which he had obtained from the intestines of alfred ablay while dr steinen for the defence was pertinaciously positive that alfred died of heart disease and that what was taken from morphia consisted of the closely resembling toxic products of putrefaction or putrefactive alkaloids called by pathologists tomains in closing his address to the jury the public prosecutor caused a profound sensation by reading the following words which he said had been written upon a visiting card by m jognot the prisoner's husband a fortnight after the death of her first husband m faber your every wish is being realized if you acquit the prisoner the learned counsel asked addressing the jury in impressive tones who will be her next victim the jury retired to consider their verdict at one o'clock in the morning at a quarter to two o'clock 
the stroke of a bell announced their return and amid a scene of intense excitement and suspense the judges resumed their seats upon the bench a moment later the jurymen filed into court the foreman monsieur barbeau who appeared to be much moved announced in reply to usual questions that they found the prisoner guilty on all of the six issues submitted to them the issue in regard to each of the three persons alleged to have been murdered being a double one namely whether the prisoner had with intent caused the death of the person named and secondly whether she had done so by means of substances calculated to cause death in regard to each of the questions put seriatim the jury answered in the affirmative no sooner had the jury delivered their verdict than loud applause followed the president ordered the gendarmes on duty to clear the court if all expressions of opinion were not immediately suppressed the prisoner was then brought back into court she was completely unnerved and when the verdict of the jury was read to her she staggered and fell in a fainting fit on the prisoner's bench the advocate general asked the court to pronounce sentence of death the judges retired and returned after an interval of ten minutes sentence of death was then pronounced in the usual manner a large crowd awaited the termination of the trial outside and as soon as the news that the prisoner had been condemned to death was received loud cries of satisfaction were heard in all directions people shrieked themselves hoarse and sang down with jognot let us lynch her let us hang her the condemned woman was conveyed back to jail in a prison van guarded by a strong force of gendarmes the crowd following with shouts and jeers the contention of the medical experts to which only brief reference has been made has brought into bold relief a question the future bearings of which in medical jurisprudence are of obvious importance since the bacteriologists have shown that a large proportion of pathogenic action formerly unaccounted for and unexplained is due to the production of tomains the name given to the alkaloids of putrefaction due to the presence of bacteria a new difficulty has been introduced into legal medicine aside from the proof we now have that infectious diseases are the product of the domains resulting from the action of bacteria we are confronted with the fact that as mr stanford puts it in his address at the british pharmaceutical conference at edinburgh these highly toxic alkaloids have been mistaken for other poisonous alkaloids in post-mortem examinations of human subjects where poisoning was suspected in some criminal cases these have been mistaken for conine strychnine delphinine and morphine which they closely resemble in their reactions others resemble nicotine atropine digitaline veritrine curarine it is obvious therefore that post-mortem examination for poisons presents hitherto unsuspected difficulties a case in point occurred in the sonsonia trial at cremona italy where tomains were mistakenly identified as morphine the reaction being the same in another trial that of general gibbon's servant for the murder of his master by poison the experts for the prosecution reported delphinine in the viscera the defense proved however that although the substance responded to delphinine reactions it was not delphinine at all with reference to this subject dr john j reese the eminent toxicologist very properly says 
it cannot be doubted that the alleged existence of domains will be constantly employed by counsel in defending a criminal charged with poisoning with one of the vegetable alkaloids urging strongly before the jury the possibility that the alleged poisonous alkaloid was in reality one of those spontaneously generated tomains such a course is stated to have been actually taken at the lambson trial in london in eighteen eighty three on the other hand it might be speciously argued by the prosecution that the reason for the non-discovery of the alleged alkaloid was to be attributed to the interfering presence of some domain for it should be remembered that while some of these alkaloids of putrefaction are extremely poisonous many of them are inert while others act antagonistically to certain poisonous alkaloids End of section sixty five